great podcast week. I'll I'll say that much. It's the week before E3. Slow news, week before E3. Uh, the spin-off Doctors, which normally would go up this week, isn't up this week because uh, of technical issues, which means I've got to talk about the Assassin's Creed movie not once, but twice. So... <laughs> Rather than like squeeze that in before we did that co-optional appearance together, get that done first and then do that, which would have been me in a... I'd have been about five hours podcasting straight and I was like, no, thank you. Uh, my, my back is generally a lot better than it was, but it does not like being in a chair for five hours straight, even with little breaks. Uh, so I'm rolling that around till the next time Spinoff Doctors is due. So I don't even have that. And then we got this, which is pre-E3, which means very little news. So I'm. it still could be a very entertaining show, I'm sure. But we've got only our charisma to pull it off. Not as much content. It's going to well, be I, touch and go. For me, I worry, have I used up all of my podcasting energy? Because yesterday I recorded seven and a half hours of podcasts pretty much back to back. Yeah, that's no good. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I've, I'm... I'm trying to bring my A game, but I'm having to dig into those reserves of podcast energy. There's not news to fall back on. There's not really anything we've played. E3 is sucking up all of the news. Just going to have to, you know, get that energy going. Yeah. Plus, uh, plus, we already talked about everything we played last night on, on uh, Co-Option. <laughs> well, that's fine. That should be that should work in our benefit because it means we've had a practice run, which means that we should be ready and raring to go today. Yes. <laughs> all, all of us were on the Co-Optional podcast yesterday, all three of us. Um, the, the VOD for that would will probably go up. Thursdays usually. So Thursday it... after. Yeah, went, it went, should be the same day as this. Went pretty well, I thought. We didn't uh, clusterfuck it too much. No, no, the, we did all the right. First, the first ten minutes of the show were purely, like, tech issues because there were too many of us there. <laughs> but we worked it out, and it was good once once we stopped breaking the podcast. I think with a, pod, a three-hour podcast anyway, there's always going to be space yeah. for, uh, for everyone to have yeah. their say. I, so, I quite like the bit where Jim became me for a while. That was yeah. great. <laughs> that was good. You, your your picture took over mine for a while and I wasn't there. Um, but Ubisoft's logo does look like a dog curled one out. Yeah, this is, this is the one piece of not Nintendo news I have on the topic list this week is Ubisoft's new logo looks like a top-down perspective outline of a coiled shit. Yes, uh, we're, we're having to redo the intro to oh, Ubisoft, which is one of the mini-shows that plays after the Jimquisition. Um, Justin's got a good concept, but my original idea was to just have a dog walk on screen and curl out the new Ubisoft logo. Um, I'm a little annoyed because I've got my new, the lights on my lectern on the Jimquisition now, which I can switch from red to some other colours. So I, I switched it for blue for Ubisoft, although blue... Blue lights, my camera hates, so it was unusable. I actually did an Ubisoft for this Monday past, uh, but it wasn't in the show. Uh, it, it was me bashing the logo, but the, the blue lights kept fucking with it. Um, but the, now they don't even have blue in their logo. It's it's just all white now. It's just a white curly dog turd, like their original yeah, swirl, but now just a lot worse looking. And then Ubisoft yeah, underneath in white. It's now just the kind of dog turd that's been left out in the sun so long that it's turned crusty and that's white. It. Yeah, one of those summery dog turds that we all used to a see few... as kids and don't see as much anymore. Some birds have shat on top of it, so it's got like a white frosted coat on top. It's it's a white frosty Ubisoft poo. It's, it's, 
it's it's a glazed dog poo, and Ubisoft are are pioneers in the glazed dog turd market. It seems. Yeah, yeah. In in many ways, Ubisoft is a glazed shit donut. So I think it very much fits. So yeah, that that no is comment. the entirety. That is the entirety of that story. Well, they had some pre three. <laughs> they they did their little teaser for stuff they're going to show. Mostly stuff we already know about Far Cry Five and some other things. And then uh, in their little video they did, they did a hilarious joke where Yves Julmo, um, the the CEO of Ubisoft, whose name I can never pronounce properly. Uh, was about to tweet out the video and he wrote, look at this iconic video and then deleted the word iconic and posted it and we all laughed. Uh, It was my idea to make fun of Ubisoft for that. So them dad joking it, I take that as a personal slight. And if they think I won't find other stuff, I will. Did did they really do that? I didn't see this video. Did they acknowledge the, oops, we probably shouldn't call things iconic? They made a joke about how they call everything iconic. And considering I invented making fun of them (laughs) using the word iconic, um, which is my proudest achievement, prouder than me single-handedly inventing Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, I I, I am personally, I feel like it's a personal attack, a denigration on the work that I do. And I absolutely will find something else to rail on them for. That won't stop me. I mean, they've got a new logo that looks like a white dog turd. So that is already Mm. in my pocket, Ubisoft. I am just personally impressed that a games company actually had the level of um, introspection to realise that they'd kind of done something shitty and to be like, okay, we'll be self-aware that we've kind of fucked up in the past. I'm not even sure if it's that. It's more like when Trump started joining in on the Cov Thief thing. Oh. It's... Only a few people know the true meaning of the white dog shit logo. Yeah, like like Ubisoft, (laughs) as, as we've seen over the years with their E3 stuff, are desperate to go viral during E3. They've more or less said it. They've more or less... Like, they've had... Um, um, Aisha Tyler, like, look at the camera and say, get this viral of that dude just dressed like some asshole from Assassin's Creed. And it doesn't surprise me that they've picked up on the iconic thing. I think they have uh, some, some internet savvy people, but they're savvy at reading and understanding the internet, not so much engaging back with it. So... They know all of the goofs, all of the gags, but they can't hit back in a way that actually makes them look good. Not in the same way as, um, I mean, who would I, I look at? Like, Devolver Digital I could trust to take a gag made at its expense and turn it into something funny. Like, they already self-parody in um, pretty successful ways. Ubisoft, it's not your forte. So yeah, that that that's that's Ubisoft. There's there's really not much this it's week. I'm very unnerving the list. to to go on a big rant and just have that that dead silence after. Well, you know like, me, like I, well, I, I don't, I don't join in in your Ubisoft diatribes anyway. So <laughs> that's because you know you, got, you're in the pocket them, of so, big you know. Ubisoft. Um, <laughs> but no, I didn't really have anything to add about it because I'm just like, no, you you summed that up, and there's nothing to add because. We're coming up to E3. We'll we'll see what happens then. Yeah, that's that's a lot of the issue with with much of the news. Like I said um, earlier this week, I was trying to find some interesting news stuff, and 
all of the rumors, well, not all of them, but a, a lot of the quote unquote rumors around E3 are just guesswork and people saying, well, it stands to reason they do this because of X. And people's shitty photoshops and things as well. And of Don't course, the usual those. fakes. Yeah, the usual fakes are around. Um, out of the things we know that haven't been officially confirmed, uh, I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, have, have they officially made mention of that Rabbids Mario thing yet? Uh, the closest they've got is Ubisoft said they have an unannounced Switch project to reveal that is some form of, of crossover. Oh, with it then, Nin- yeah. It's like, they're, they're very clearly like, okay, that's going to be the Rabbids thing. It's like, it's been rated in Brazil. Yeah. So like, it's like, it, it exists. We it's all know gonna that. It's going to happen, but they've not actually said it's happening yet. That's the video game industry for you. Like, they, even when we all know, like, it's still going to be on their terms. The, well, like, some the companies, are, some companies are at least, like, acknowledging leaks that have happened. Like, what was the one that happened today? Um, I am scrolling back to find this. Dissidia Final Fantasy NT leaked for the PS4, and to their credit, Square Enix, within an hour or two, put out a press release to be like, yep, the game exists, it's going to be at E3. Yeah, I mean, that's... We'll talk more about it then. That's really the best you can hope for. Like, like once it's leaked, you're just insulting everyone's intelligence by refusing to acknowledge it, you know? Yeah, it is... It's always a bit ridiculous when they try and pretend that, like, no, no, no one knows about any of these things that are going on. Yeah, yeah, so we got that. I mean, is there anything else that that's not? Like, like we but... know of certain things, obviously Far Cry 5 and... Um... We we can we can guess at God some of the of things we'll that are see. turning. We know that. Yeah, we we can guess at some of the things that are turning up because it's probably the things that turned up at last E3 and haven't released yet will show up again. So like, here's Gears of War again. Uh, oh no, here, like here's God of War again. God of War, yeah. Yeah, wrong one. God of War. Here's uh, Crash Bandicoot remaster because that's not out before Hasn't God of War been uh, delayed, Laura? It probably has. Yeah, that won't they'll, they'll, stop they'll have, them from showing it again. They'll show more of it, for sure. There, there's, yeah. there's no doubt they won't show some uh, very nicely bit of uh, uh, very highly practiced gameplay to show us, as is uh, E3's tradition. There's that other one that they showed last year, um, the zombie one, that was so exciting, I can't remember its fucking name. I mean, it looked impressive. It had a lot of zombies on days the screen at once. Past, was it? It was something like that. Yeah, it's days something. I think it was days past, um, and it was you running away from what was like an impressive level of zombies, especially at the visual quality. It was like it looked more impressive than your average Dead Rising situation in terms of amount of zombies on screen and the visual quality at the same time. But again, we only saw a. a a pre-prepared bit of the game that was there specifically for demo purposes. So they need to show a lot more and show us why it, like it needs more than just, it has a lot of zombies. Look how good it looks. If it's just another fucking zombie game, then I'm not going to be interested. Yeah. There's, there's, they've not shown anything that's got me excited about it yet. Yeah. yeah, and I think I'm, um, I'm so burnt out on zombie games now. I'm just no interest yeah. in them. It wasn't helped by the fact that a lot of people were expecting a big reveal to close out the show. I forget what it was they wanted at the time, but I know there were a number of 
uh, big interesting ideas people had about what could be shown and instead it was that which okay new ip wonderful but it's another zombie game that kind of counters it it may as well have just been a sequel uh, so yeah people were a bit disappointed by it hopefully now that we're removed from that and if they don't decide to place it in a position in the show where people will be expecting something way bigger uh, then hopefully people will get a lot more interested in it well i mean hopefully it will be a lot more interesting i should say so bits of news we got this week otherwise i'm um, just having a look what what came up this week Oh, we got some specifics on um, how voice chat works on the Switch, and it's not good news. Oh yeah, that looks utterly fucking stupid. I mean, it looks uh, perfectly Nintendo, but it looks utterly fucking stupid. Yeah, so the the short version is if you want to hear both the game audio and your voice chat audio through a single headset on the Switch, and the example here given was with Splatoon, which has a dongle being released for this you have to have one cable going into the the headphone port on your switch a second cable going into the headphone port on your phone both of those going into like a splitter dongle and then your headphones plugged into that and then you can use your headset so yeah so if you enjoy playing your i guess at this point, ostensibly portable console with your phone and a plastic arrow hanging hey, off. Hey, hey, it's not a plastic arrow. It's a squid. I refuse to call it that. It looks like a fucking arrow or a It does very, look like a fucking arrow. A but very got... troubled penis. So basically, some... basically, they just sell you that machine from Superman 3 with all the cables that pulls you in and turns you into a fucking Tina Turner cyborg. I mean, that, exactly. that would be more efficient than this. Uh, the, like, like you're this... playing with the, the fucking Switch and you've got your phone, like, just swinging off it. And, and, and the other doingle thing just swinging off the other side. Just wires and, and expensive tech just hanging from you. Um, mm. it, it seems ridiculous. They, uh, I mean, they are hopefully... stretching... I was going to say, hopefully the wire's long enough so you could at least stick the phone in your pocket, but given how the NES Classic came out, I wouldn't be too sure. Mm. Like, it's two inches and it's just got a droop there off the side of the switch like a fucking willow into the side of a river. Yeah, they're stretching the definition of this dongle looking like a squid from Splatoon. It is basically an arrow that, because it has two cables coming out the bottom of it, they're like, no, those are the tendrils and the yeah. tentacles, because it's I mean, maybe... a, a squid... Maybe the final thing, they'll paint it up and put some fucking eyes on it. But uh, it, it, it's not even the right shape of, of the... Because the, the squids in Splatoon could reasonably have that sort of arrow-like shape, but they don't look like that. I hate yeah. it. I hate it's, it. It's It's not like... I understand how it works, and it's not complicated in the sense that I would struggle to work out how to set it up. But it is baffling that Nintendo thought this would be a smart idea. And considering the S Switch supports Bluetooth, I am really curious why they don't support Bluetooth headsets. Because... It's baffling that Nintendo thought. Let's just end the sentence yeah. there. It's baffling if... when they have a thought. Yeah. If you had if you had support for Bluetooth headsets, this existing would be ridiculous, but ignorable, because you could just say, it's fine, pick up a Bluetooth headset. 
The fact that this is currently the only voice chat solution, if you want to hear both the game and your voice chat through the same set of headphones, is ludicrous. Nintendo is very Nintendo. Let, let, let's, let's all remember that. This is just another reminder that no matter what good Nintendo does, and Nintendo produces a lot of good, excellent work, no matter how good Nintendo does with something, it's still Nintendo at the end of the day, and it will still Nintendo something to hell and back. And the Switch, selling very well as a system, it is an impressive bit of tech. I like it as a portable system a lot, but we've just got a Nintendo that up a bit. So you're going to plug your phone into this, and then plug this into that, and then plug that into that, and that's how we do voice chat now. The only saving grace is that who the hell gives an actual fuck about talking to people playing Nintendo games online with you. Um, it's really not necessary. It's not like they're going to get like Friday the 13th or anything where you've got to actually talk to people to be efficient at it in general. Uh, it's, it's, it's only infuriating in that it's so fucking bizarre in its stupidity. It's not that, oh, I really wanted to voice chat people, but this is awful. It's it's just, I didn't even want to voice chat people, and I'm still fucking annoyed <laughs> because it's so boneheaded. It's like when you watch a horror movie and you can see the, the killer behind someone and you're yelling, look behind you, and they don't. It's not that I'm worried that I'm going to get killed because I'm not there. I'm not, I've not got Michael Myers behind me. But Jamie Lee Curtis, she's in the deep shit. And you get frustrated on behalf of... People in situations that don't even affect you doing utterly knuckle-faced manoeuvres. Yeah, it's pretty shitty. It's, it's, it is not a good situation and it's annoying even, like, I, I don't care about doing voice chat through the Switch. It still annoys me that this is exactly how it's, the Switch's voice chat has to work. Because it's just so fucking arbitrary and nonsensical. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, like, like, Nintendo fans could try and justify a great many things. I'd love to hear the justifications for that one. I would struggle to justify this. Um, so, other things we had from Nintendo about, like, shitty Nintendo ideas this week. Uh, you know you know that whole thing where the Switch uh, was going to let you borrow one Swi uh, like virtual console game as part of their, like, as part of their subscri online subscription, and you would have to give it back at the end of the month. Yep. It's not quite as shitty as it previously was. They've made it slightly less shitty. Yes, yes. Uh, to their credit, they certainly seem to have listened to the response that they got from that first thing, and it seems that the offering of, of, of games will be a lot more robust than it was. Yeah, like... We, we got the price for their online thing, and it's, what, $20 a year, which is not bad at all compared to their competitors. Oh, yeah. I mean, highly, highly competitive in a pricing situation, for sure. Yeah. And the new thing they're doing with Virtual Console, if I understand it right, is it's basically Netflix for NES games, but the NES games on this service have online functionality and things added in. So it's like, hey, here's some NES games that are updated somewhat to make them more playable today. And you can play as many of them as you like as long as you have your subscription. Yeah. Uh, Which that... I'm like, that's not a bad solution. That is it's, superior. It's less of a bad solution than their last one. 
yeah, it, it ain't bad. It ain't bad. Uh, this is a thing that I want to see first. I want to see... I'm really curious as to how they handle their virtual console stuff this time around, because I just... I'm so over the way they've been doing it for the past two generations, the past two systems, uh, where they drip-feed one game a fucking week, you know? And I'm kind of over that now, because I'm, they've got so many games that they could throw up, like, like ten times that amount and still not get through their library of games by the time the next generation rolls around. Uh, and I think nothing typified how stupid this was. Then when they finally brought Pokemon Snap onto the Wii U, which is a game a lot of people hold in very high regard and would have liked to have played but they announced that kind of a week before they revealed the switch or or even after it either way the switch was a very known entity by that point uh, we yeah. knew the wii u was dead and they were still putting out things people really wanted but no one was going to buy at that point because it was on a dead system i and i do wonder why they didn't put those final nails in the wii u's coffin sooner and shift more of that work over to the switch exa- well again nintendo got a nintendo um yeah. it, it's i it, it frustrates me a lot that they have i honestly think they do better if they just put everything up at once if they just threw the their entire library up there um, maybe did a whole Netflix-style service deal with that, and and then would just, like, fill your fucking boots. Because I would probably be using my Nintendo Switch every goddamn day. Every mm. day. And I would p- yeah. happily pay a subscription just for that. Or if they wanted to sell each game individually, I reckon still, if they threw the entire library up there... Um, with the Especially with the way retro games work, it's not like oversaturating on a on a you know, on the actual eShop or, or the Steam store page or what have you. If you have this virtual console thing where just all the games are there, they're so quick to download, you price them right, that's perfect for idle browsing. And that would keep people in your store constantly. And they could, you know, throw up little um, links while they're browsing to newer stuff uh, so they can cross-promote there. It's, I, I just, it's such to me, feels like such an obvious idea. But it's not just Nintendo that does it either. Sony, um, you know, drag their heels when it comes to PS2 games on the PS4 and that kind of stuff. So who knows? But but then they, they, they also have PlayStation Now, which was, you know, a huge amount, if not most of the PS3's library available for streaming. Uh, a damn fine idea, but... Not not great here with shitty Mississippi internet, but if if it would work, I'd be all over it constantly, and I'd be constantly engaged with the system, which is only a good thing, because mm. that keeps it fresh in your mind. You're on the lookout for new stuff with it. Uh, it, it drip feeding a fucking NES game a week, like they have done on every fucking system since they came up mm. with the virtual console, just reeks to me of a, of a bad idea or at the, at the very least an idea that's way less optimal than it could be it does seem a bit ridiculous to not just bring everything over to the switch already just, just dump everything on the switch um that being said while we're talking about games that should just be put on the switch and maybe are being put on the switch we don't know for certain um Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon got announced the other day for 3DS, so 
basically it's the same the last generation of Pokemon games with like it's the same map and same Pokemon but we put a different story in that same map because everyone's playing Pokemon for the story and um, when it was announced on the Nintendo press site for about 10 minutes it listed a Switch version as well with like a to be confirmed release date and then it got taken down and Nintendo were like, no, 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 it's not coming to Switch. We never said that. That That's not happening. This is rumours. It's like, it's not really a rumour. You had it on your press site. You, you, your press site said it existed. It could have theoretically been a mistake. I mean, I wouldn't it rule could it have out. Been. If only because a lot of people would love to see these games on the Switch. So it would be very in keeping with Nintendo's MO to not do that. <laughs> um, so yeah. I... I it's one of the few times a denial of, of something that's been rumoured has had to me a sense of credibility uh, only well, because of Nintendo's MO. However, it is I, still uh, an, an odd mistake yeah. to make. I never put any faith behind companies saying a thing doesn't exist after accidentally suggesting it exists because like, I've had first-hand experience with when I tried to leak uh, Rush of Blood, like, a year, two years ago, whenever that was, mm-hmm. um, like the developers actively were like, "Nope, doesn't exist." Yeah, and then they a week later it got announced. Yeah, like they didn't actively lie. I denounced it as a DLC that was an uh, an on rails cart shooter in VR called Until Dawn: Rush of Blood, and they were like, "No, no, no, there's no development. I- there's no DLC in development. That that's wrong," and cheap, you know, man. suggested that it wasn't a thing. <laughs> And then a week later announced it, where it's like, you clearly knew that you were hanging me out to dry. Like, it could be the same situation here. Like, it might be that Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are not coming to Switch, but Pokemon Ultra Sun Moon, a single game, is coming to Switch. Like, usually, a denial that a game exists may just mean we haven't announced that it exists, and that a week from now when we announce it, that's when it's real. Like, like, develop... Sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, just quickly on the topic of Until Dawn, a mild distraction. As I said to you before, um, my girlfriend who never plays games is currently playing it in the other room and she loves it. So if there's someone you know who doesn't play that many games and enjoys horror stuff, get them to play Until Dawn because it's like a really yeah. easy game for non-gamers to play. Oh yeah, and Until Dawn is a... I, I, I recommend it alongside Telltale games when, when it comes to people mm. who don't necessarily play a lot of games but might be interested in what the what what you can do with the medium that it isn't yeah. you know all pac-man like what them crazy kids play yeah. um until dawn's very good for that because it does still it gives you a lot of the the feeling of involvement that a video game can do but well i mean it's basically a quantic dream game done well that's mm. that's really the best way i can exp- mm. explain it to you know, listeners of this podcast who are probably a lot more, you know, into their games, I would imagine. Uh, although, given half the content of this show, maybe not. <laughs> but it is basically a, a, a good David Cage game. That's that's how I describe Until Dawn, which makes it very, very um, suitable for people who enjoy video games and people who d- don't necessarily enjoy them. It, it's very mechanically accessible, is how I would talk about yes, it. Like, yes. it's... It's very easy to jump into without a pre-existing batch of experience about how you interact with games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't yeah, necessarily yeah, have a failed state. It's like if you fuck up and a character dies, it's almost part of the fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. And a lot of the ways of avoiding death are not necessarily based in skill, but based in uh, how well you know horror tropes. Because yeah. there's one yeah. character I, I deliberately led to death just because I was like, I'm I'm doing exactly the thing that the, you know, the idiot who gets killed in a horror film does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with the group, I hear a noise, and I get the option to not follow it, but I'm like, I've got to. I've got to see if they do this, like, picture perfect. And they did. And, yeah. and so the language of Until Dawn is not the language of video games per se. It's the language of horror as a genre, as, as a collection mm. of, of established tropes and character if, archetypes. If you want to survive in that game, do the things that the voice in your head is shouting when you watch a horror film is shouting like, no, 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 character, don't don't go in there. Listen to that voice and you'll be fine. Yeah, watch Scream and take everything said to heart. <laughs> um, other than that, news-wise, the big bit of news we had this week is Greenlight is gone. Yes! There's no more Steam Greenlight. You don't have to put up with Greenlight. Roxanne, brilliant. I'm I'm thrilled. Jim, do you take credit for being the orange light that resulted in green lights, red light? <laughs> um, that's quite good. Uh, no, I don't. I uh, the funny thing is, is before I started covering green light, I thought it was going to be a very short-lived thing. I thought the best of Steam Greenlight trailers series that I'd started was I said there's, there's a couple of weeks in this because Gabe at the time was talking about well he was reiterating his desire to kill off Greenlight and that was years ago and since then my series became a very very long running one because Valve just couldn't be fucking bothered to do what they wanted they, they wanted Greenlight dead for years but they could never be asked to get around to it uh, and now they have, and and Greenlight, yeah. As we were all recording a live podcast uh, with the co-optional uh, folks yesterday, it it broke, and and I had two party poppers left over from when I uh, was filming the 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 Jimquisition new look thing. So I popped them in celebration, and then I didn't really say anything else. I was just uh, I was too busy showing off for the camera. Um, hey Ben. You don't have to put up with green light. Nice. Gabe and that, see? He made it better. Um, I have basically... I mean, I've said already what I think of green light going away. Uh, Some people are like, oh, Jim's going to be out of a job. Um, First of all, no. I was already scaling back the green light coverage to the point where I don't think I've even done a best of seen green light trailers in like two weeks. Um... I was I was planning for the next one I do to be the last one, but now there isn't another one to be the last one. <laughs> uh, so I think it ends on Fatfly, the guy who made Shooter Tactics, which was uh, a very fitting one because he became a regular on uh, my Best of Stream Greenlight uh, trailers videos uh, because he kept trying to put up a game called Shooter Tactics over and over and over again uh, and kept losing his, his call every time people said, this is really rubbish, you've just uploaded a really bad map uh, and then he got very homophobic about that and very angry about that uh, and with steam what? direct i was gonna say you ready got a to better see chance... him try and put it up on steam direct yeah he's got a better chance than ever now of i mean this is why i'm not out of a job because uh you know i've not thrown away the plague doctor mask the steam cleaner is is gonna have a lot of work to do with steam direct in tow um, you know, they're hoping algorithms won't, bear, you know, will bury these games so that people in general won't find them. But I'm not people in general. I'll find them. I might not, um, 
you know, be able to cover them with as much righteous indignation as before. But I'm still going to see what people have gotten through direct. I, I'm curious as hell to see what can get through direct and what couldn't get through Greenlight. Because I've seen certain things, certain things that have ended up on the PlayStation Network that couldn't get voted for on Greenlight. Um, I mean, that'll keep me busy as well. Some of the, the shit that's happened there. Uh, so, yeah, business is booming as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, as I said at the time when the, the news first broke, I'm pleased it's gone because I don't think it was... I, I think it was noble in intent. But once cottage industries sprung up around it, green light vote booster groups and things like that, and once people realised it was an easy way to get onto Steam to start making money off those trading cards, the whole experiment had failed. So I yeah, I have no honest memory. How long was Steam Greenlight around for? I was. Um... I think I was still at Destructoid at the time, which is always my benchmark for. A long, long time ago. Basically prehistoric. Uh, it has been many years. Many, many years. Um, I mean, I can... I don't know why I'm just guessing. We have the internet We, we have the power. We have the technology. We can find these things out. Because I feel like light. it's existed for longer than I think it has. If I mean, it, that it makes has sense. felt like it's been here for a thousand fucking years. Yeah, but it simultaneously also felt like it's only been around, like... A couple of years, but I'm pretty sure yeah. it's... Okay, um, let's see. The earliest greenlit games, the earliest games that were confirmed to have been greenlit, was in 2012, September 11th, 2012. Oh gosh, five... and they... has it really been five years? Yeah, and, and, and it makes me really kind of sad to see the games that got approved, uh, because... Some of them were pretty damn legit. Like the first batch, there was only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten, ten games green there. Uh, two of which were Black Mesa and Cry of Fear, uh, which are pretty damn well regarded. Uh, Heroes and Generals, Project Zomboids. Like these are all names I've heard of. The second batch, a lot longer. Uh, the next batch, next few batches, not as bad. And then we get to uh, 2013. So almost a year, August 28th, 2013, almost a year. I'll count how many... Oh, no, I don't have to. They listed 100. They went from... Mm. Um, let's see, July 24th, 2013 was the last one they did before that, which had things like A Hat in Time, Broforce, Deadly Premonition, The Director's Cut, Operation Black Mesa. Uh, actually, I don't think that's the same as Black Mesa. That might have been a cheeky fucker. Um, oh, God, Recoil was there as well. A very fitting name, because I did that in horror when I played it. Uh, that was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games. Oh, one of them was Dive Kick. Uh, yeah, it was definitely a destructor at that time. So that many games, straight from that to 100. And from there on out, it was... The next one was 25... October 2, 32. October 17, 37. Another 100 on October 29th. Uh, 40. 100 again. 50. And and they stopped. <laughs> I'm looking on, on Giant Bomb's page for Steam Greenlight, and they stopped at 2014. They were like, they must have just been, all oh, right, no more of it's this. It's almost like where Greenlight went wrong 
is opening the floodgates and allowing lots of software through, not just a bit of software through. I mean, that's... I look at this and, and clearly they were curating things early on. In 2012, they must have had either you needed more votes to get through or they were handpicking from the ones that got votes. They clearly had some other system in place. But just more and more until we get to 2013... And, and they just start going. It just seems that anything that gets a certain no- number of votes gets in. And clearly mm. the quote-unquote developers at that time that were just uh, wanting their trading card money n- cottoned onto it. Uh, and and there we go. Yeah. Hence uh, the rise of your cottage industries and yeah, yeah, ones with delusions of grandeur. The ones so desperate to get voted for on Greenlight, they'd stalk game critics and harass them if they didn't cover them because uh, good or bad they, they they wanted attention and they hated seeing other green light games get it the whole mm. thing was a fucking savage mess and i'm glad it's gone i'm so oh, glad it's gone on the positives the uh the figure for what what's the new version called steam direct is it Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the new equivalent. Uh, they announced that it's going to be a hundred dollars per game submitted, rather than a hundred dollar flat fee. Submit any as many games as you want. That feels like a really good price for this. I was worried they were going to price it too high, and it was going to make solo indie development prohibitively upfront expensive to submit to Steam. And $100 feels like a good manageable amount of money that should be within an achievable range for people who are making indie software, but also not such a nothing value that people can just pay it and start throwing software at Steam. Well, I've talked about this a couple of times now. I talked about it in a video last week. I talked about it um, on Co-Optional. The fee doesn't matter. I don't give a shit about the fee, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it could have been $100, it could have been $1,000. It wouldn't have stopped hacks with delusions of grandeur from getting through. No, I mean, but it, the it financial would have, risk didn't it, stop Digital Homicide doing what it did, you know? Yeah, uh, the but only... it, would stop, it would stop legitimate right, that's uh, my point, indie though. developers on passion projects. That's why though. I don't care about fees, because it fees as a barrier only affect people um, who can't afford it. It says nothing of talent. Okay. I I think where I was getting confused with you for a second there is when you were saying fees, you know, fees are unimportant, they don't matter. I I initially took that as you saying like a fee can be as high as it need, uh, as it wants. I I don't care if it's a high oh, fee. Oh no no no. My, my I, when, I, I assumed I you meant about... both ways. It didn't matter to you. Whenever I talk about Steam, it always comes from the position of someone who is fucked off with how it is now and is looking at everything as a potential improvement. Um, henceforth, me saying fees don't matter to me uh, because they were never a problem. Yeah, you, they they you weren't. You can see the how that could be misinterpreted. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I'm. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm. It's just that I've talked about it so much now that I'm probably being a bit more dismissive in my tone. Uh, but the the message is that uh, ultimately, I, no fee at all would have been just as effective as a hundred dollars. And in terms of well, stopping I, I... actual like like real <sighs> problems on Steam, i.e., unprofessional developers who have no business being there, I think. No matter how high the fee would be, it wouldn't stop the 
the the truly cracked among those. So I, $100 I, fine, dis- I have to disagree with you. I have to disagree with you when you say that no fee at all would have been just as effective as this $100 fee for keeping the, 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 the $100 versus $0 makes no difference to the amount of terrible people who were going to try and get games on Steam. I disagree with it, I think, because the previous system... The only reason people were willing to pay the $100 previously was just pure law of averages. They could throw as much software as they had to at Steam until one piece of software that they threw up was the one that made their money back. Here, every piece of software they put up has to make at least $100. And like that's that's not a huge amount to have to make, but it's enough that... Each game in and of itself has to make money. Not to well actually you, but um It's a very different thing for different people. Yeah, that 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 was my overarching. If there's anything point about if there's the... anything recent years have taught us, it's that people with a lot of money don't necessarily, you know, make the best things <laughs> in life. Just to get back to the other point, um my my concern these days is not so much about numbers, not so much about saturation. It's about um attitude it's about certain people putting games on steam under the guise of professional game developers who turn around and treat uh, their audience like shit uh, and behave in embarrassing ways that no professional company like valve should ever be associated with um developers that aren't getting the kind of reviews that they want and therefore start attacking critics on twitter trying to get attention for themselves um people who throw up you know hate speech people who uh sue people you know again digital homicide they're the they're the symptom now like they're the act no not they're the cause now the the symptom is the shitty trash games and i'm i'm kind of done looking at them as a problem i'll look at them as something to point at and laugh but the thing i look at as steam one of steam's largest problems is that it it's not that it's letting games through unvetted it's letting developers submit games and doing nothing to vet them and when i say vet i'm not talking about like you know imposing really ludicrous restrictions on them it's it's as simple as like have some terms and services that are like don't do don't threaten people don't don't do don't start stalking critics don't start uh you know mass banning a bunch of people and and calling them homophobic slurs uh the fact that it can go further than that before valve steps in that's the issue to me to date to really get valve to step in and do something you've got a uh you've got to either threaten to kill gabe newell You've got to uh, threaten to kill all the gay people, or you've got to put up uh, such a, a blatant copyright infringement situation that Valve itself could even get into legal trouble. They seem to be the three things, and it shouldn't get that far, because from that point, from that extreme end point, to being a good, decent, professional developer, there are so many other horrible offences in between that it should never get as far as it has to go for Valve to actually do something about these people. Okay, well, I guess my question there is, is if that's your main problem, could Valve have not solved this by, rather than killing Greenlight, updating their terms and services to ban those things? They had to, they had to kill Greenlight anyway, because 
terms of services kick in once a game's you know once a game would be through and they're actually doing some sort of business with Valve. The problem with Greenline was the cottage industries, and there was no real way of governing that by the end. It had completely escaped their ability to deal with it because it was happening off-site as well as on-site. So you had these quote-unquote marketing companies that were literally just some fucking chances, just some Steam users, um, coming up with strategies to boost votes for games and getting them on that way. Uh, It was a, a very exploitable system. And... And, and at least, at the very least, those industries are now just instantly dead. By, by killing off the, the, the vote boosters and uh, the, the, the code giveaways for votes and uh, the, what was the other one, the other problem that I've got with it? Um, there was some other stuff. And hell, I mean, just making sure the stuff like kill the gay people i won't use the slur they used Mm. i don't particularly like using it myself um at least that won't get up and stay up for hours before someone at valve wakes up and thinks oh shit oh shit we've got hate speech published literally on one of our store pages uh like that stuff at least has gone i think green light had to go i will agree with you there i do still think that switching from a hundred dollar flat fee to a hundred dollar per game i do still think that is a deterrent i oh that was the other thing i was gonna say i had to correct you on a little factoid there um about the the recuperation uh, they get the hundred dollars back uh, if they make a thousand bucks in sales. If they make a thousand bucks in sales, then it's it's like they rather than put a fee that goes to Child's Play, now it's they're putting in a deposit per game and they get that deposit back. And again, I'm not quite sure how that really uh, changes things for a lot of people who would be submitting stuff, but. It's 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 do, different. Do you do you honestly think most of these games are making over a thousand dollars? I wasn't saying that to make a point. I was just saying that to stop people in the comments saying it as. Okay, it's when when you were saying like I have to correct you on a point. You, I I thought you were suggesting it as if like somehow that invalid. No, like, no, no. I just because to... I I yeah. It's you you can make that money back. You can get that feedback if you make over a thousand dollars anyway. But if you're going to make over a thousand dollars. $100 fee, you're right, is not going to be a deterrent. Even if you didn't get that that $100 back, it wouldn't be a deterrent to putting shit on Steam if you were convinced that your shit could earn over yeah. $1,000 a piece. And that's, that, but, that, those are the people I'm mostly concerned about because, you know, I, I spent the better past, part, part of a year talking to someone who believed that their company was worth $250,000. So, What is the name of that theory of that, like, the worse people are at something, the less that their ability is to recognise how bad they are at it? The Dunning-Kruger effect. That's the one. And, yeah, yeah that that perfectly sums up uh, that's, that's very what I true, consider you know, the I biggest rem- problem with Steam. I remember making songs back in the early 2000s that were uh, utter rubbish and at the time thinking these were f- they were fucking amazing. <laughs> it, it, it is a real thing. So yeah, before we finish up, do we want to talk about some questions and things? Because we haven't done that yeah. in a while and we yeah. actually have we, some this week. Will we reiterate our thoughts on Rhyme very quickly just for the PQ audience? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we can do that. Yeah, uh, I I loved it, and and I uh, said last night on Co-optional, like I paid particular attention to the soundtrack in this game, which was done by a guy who I think it, I don't think he's done any other soundtracks, and it's absolutely gorgeous soundtrack. It just really, really yeah, pulled on my heartstrings through the whole game. 
So if and if you I think if you liked Journey and Team Ico games, you're really going to like Rhyme. Yeah. And and it, coming from someone who, um, you know, didn't really dig those sorts of games and mm. thought The Last Guardian was it, it fought valiantly to be all right. And 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 even then, like maybe I was being a little kind on it. Uh, even someone like me who isn't couldn't profess to be a fan of, of those games. Uh, I, I thought Rhyme was quite good. I, I liked it. I, I, I wasn't in love with it. I didn't think it was a truly special game, uh, even though it's clearly gunning for that that critical darling acc- acclaim thing. Uh, but I it's still it very, very two, fine time. I thought it had one or two moments where it did, did really hinted at being something really special. Like, I don't know if you remember the first time you walked through the long hallway towards the, the doorway of light and uh, the music starts rising up around you as you do that. That was just yeah. such a oh, simple in terms moment, of, but it was just beautifully done. In terms of audiovisual impact, and we talked about this a little bit last, I won't reiterate everything I said about level design, but in terms of yeah. audiovisual um, and building to a crescendo, um, aside from the ending, which I've I talked about yesterday and, and, and whatnot as a... A series of crescendos that that led to each other, which just fr- exasperated me to the point where the ending didn't quite have the wallop it was supposed to. For me, I understand for others it, it did still maintain that punch, but uh, generally, uh, outside of that, the the build towards big inspired moments is really well done, uh, and the music and the visuals and the gameplay itself, if you allow yourself to. Uh, move along with the things that are happening really works together to create something uh, quite quite um remarkable i think and i i also i i know you felt slightly differently but for me i found the ending was very uh, emotionally affecting sure sure i uh, i do i do get why and, and you know it was a uh, it was a it was a very uh uh I was going to say a very nice ending, but that sounds churlish to say, considering. Uh, but it was a, uh, it was a good ending, uh, in in terms of what it was setting out to accomplish. It just wasn't the stellar one. It, it wasn't the the thing that made me sit back and think, okay, this is a work of genius. It was more did like, you, oh, okay, that's the thing, that's quite clever, and then the credits Did rolled. you go back and look at the chapter names after finishing the game? I did, I did, and um, I and, and again, a very, yeah, very much the same thing. It's like, I wasn't like, oh, holy shit, that is so genius, but I was, huh, that's clever. Uh, and that's basically my, my, my view on Rhyme. It's, um, it sounds like I'm putting it down, but it's not. It's just I'm kind of casual about how much I like it because it, it didn't blow me away. It's just, oh, yeah, that's a good game. You bring up Rhyme. Yeah, did you review good it? Good game. I did, yes. Um, if you want my oh, yeah. full thoughts, um, listeners, you can check it out on thegymquisition.com where I reviewed Rhyme. I also recommend you check out my Locks Quest review that uh, I did today at the time of recording. It will be uh, yesterday at the time of publishing of this. Uh, but check out the review I did for Locks Quest. I remastered my old Destructoid review, but I did it in a a special way this time, in a way befitting <laughs> the port job of Locke's Quest to consoles. It, it was an interesting solution, I'll give you that. <laughs> I love that game on DS. It's, it, it is one of my... I, I would easily put it in my top ten, perhaps top five um, portable games ever. 
uh, to say nothing of just the DS. And I was so excited. I bought it. I put it on the, the my PS4. I was like, right, Lock's Quest for the first time in, in years since uh, like 2008. So in eight years... Uh, or nine now, we're in 20... I keep thinking we're in 2016 still, but then again, 2016 never ended. Um, for finally, get to play it, and this is shit. It was... It's so bad. The controls are so bad. Um, you've, you've got to, like, use several different buttons just to scroll through and select uh, various things to build, uh, where other games have streamlined that to the point where you usually just need to, like, maybe use the D-pad uh, or even the the analog sticks you know like there are so many seamless fluid ways to do selecting stuff to build um the camera doesn't move with the character i can't remember that being a problem in the ds version but if it was uh it wasn't as noticeable as it is here where i kept losing both the character and the thing i was trying to build because everything moved independently of each other um the little mini game normally on the ds when you're fixing something you are um, you're using the stylus to move a ratchet, like a little lever, and move it left and right with the touchscreen. Here, you're using the right analog stick, except half the time it just doesn't work. It, it, not only do you have an issue with it not moving sometimes, sometimes it'll appear and then just disappear before you can do anything. Uh, so I kept losing the, uh, the battles because I couldn't fix anything. I, I was trying to fix, like, fixing turrets, because it's like a hybrid tower defense action thing. Fixing turrets is crucial to stop the the, you know, the, the enemies overrunning you. But you can't fix anything half the time. The, 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 the minigame just wasn't working. So I reached a point where I'm like, I've, I've barely played this, and it's impossible. It's actually impossible. And that's just before we get into how just utterly clunky it is to place things and uh, you know whereas before everything was done um, more tactilely in a portable sense here with a, a, a traditional controller it's just awful and looking at the reviews on steam the pc version is no sanctuary either even, even if you think it would be uh, apparently it's just as bad there so i'm i'm gutted Ouch. That's always really disappointing when a game falls that hard. Yeah. But on the plus side, I've got uh, Victor Vran that I've got on the download while we record. Uh, finally, after years of press releases about it. Um, I, I, I hate the words Victor Vran because I've gotten so many press releases about it over the years. They just wouldn't shut up about it. That and Van Helsing. I don't know what it is about guys with I V in their name. I'm honestly surprised that you're actually playing the game. Like, I, my hearing how many press releases you were getting for it, there's a bit of me that legitimately suspected that you, on principle, wouldn't play it. It's almost like I've got to exercise the demons now. I've got because I have. I do believe I've played it. I do believe on my YouTube channel. Um, and you have to forgive me because sometimes I've even played games that I've played in early access, and then I've played them later as a full release and i've not mentioned the early access thing just that i play so many games on steam i mean you know if you're listening to this you've probably seen my youtube channel yeah. and you've probably seen my dual playlists for both early access and full releases sometimes i forget i've played something but i am i think i played victor vran in early access and i think it was promising and I was going to say, Total Biscuit said yesterday on the co-optional that uh, it was pretty damn good. And then I was reading about it, and it does sound like they've done an, uh, a pretty hefty job on it. So I got the the new edition that they've released um, this week 
to see about maybe doing a, vi- uh, a review or at least a video. It may turn out to be good, but you are now encouraging just every dev out there to be like, hey, you know how you get Jim to review your game? Send him four press releases a day for several oh, years. Right, yeah, yeah. In, in general, that is not how you get this at all. <laughs> the only reason this worked is because... Uh, is because it was also recommended to me as a good game from an exterior source, and I have seen enough of it outside of the press releases that it does look potentially legit. There have been other games that have bothered me, or or games that have signed up with um, various PR companies. Uh, It's why I'll never cover cover, um, Woodle Tree Adventure 2, uh, because they were part of, despite me covering Woodle Tree Adventure 1, they signed up with this fucking company that emailed me like so many times in in one day in one morning i got like 10 emails from them until i blocked their whole fucking thing um they every new game they signed up they had to email me about it and it was uh, ghastly and i said on twitter and and copied people you know involved parties in and said look I will never cover your games because you signed up with this company. The one that bothered me the most was the company that had... It was a developer that had a Kickstarter for some game. And I remember it looking terrible to begin with. And I think over its entire Kickstarter, it didn't get a single donation in its whole Kickstarter. Um, But it was just spamming me and maybe five other press people... Um, multiple times a day from auto-generated like new Twitter accounts each time, no. so I couldn't just block the Twitter accounts. Tweets about this this uh, this Kickstarter for this game, and I was getting so annoyed with it at one point. Like I kept getting these tweets five or six times a day, even after the Kickstarter had ended, making zero money and having zero supporters. I was still getting four or five tweets a day. I had to auto-block the word Jerusalem on TweetDeck because it was this game was something to do with Jerusalem and the word Jerusalem right. kept coming up in these tweets. It was the only way to avoid these tweets was to block the entire word Jerusalem from my Twitter. <laughs> Fucking hell. And I should point yeah, out Yeah, which as is well, never like, a thing you want to have to do. <laughs> the stuff about Victor Vran wasn't bordering on harassment like some PR campaigns have before. It, it, it just kept coming up... Sp- regularly enough that I got tired of hearing the name. Uh, so, you know, I, I performatively got angry about it, its, ex- its entire existence. Um, in general, no, not a good marketing strategy. And no, Victor Brand did not bury me in emails about it. They just were very keen to let me know whenever it has an <laughs> update. Uh, and, you know, you get those kinds of things. And in general, and, and it was more noticeable to me because since leaving uh, traditional games media, I don't get so many press releases now because I don't do news. So it was one of the main, one of the few hangers on. So it was more noticeable. Uh, but in general, no. If you, if you inundate me with emails, if you inundate me with social media contacts, if you, and, and here's another one as well, don't contact me through Patreon. Do not certainly do Mm. not say something like i donate to you on patreon i'm not looking for a favorable review but i am a game developer and because i will instantly stop fucking reading it because i don't want to know who you are and i don't want to cover the uh, a game of someone who's giving me money so that's your guaranteed way to get no coverage is to contact me through there and if you want 
worse than no coverage. If you want to be broken, then absolutely harass me to cover your games. Um, yeah. Or because, if you've and, got, and, and, if and you're, if you that's got not blue a challenge. Hair. Yeah, that then, as well. Then, then we'll all review your game because collusion. <laughs> but but I, I'm just saying, right? Don't take that as a fun challenge. I mean. Companies that have tried to fuck with me on that level are out of business now. So don't. So, should we, should we do a couple that, of questions before we... Let's do some friendly enough. user questions, yes. <laughs> uh, right, who have we got questions from this week? We've got a question from that geeky gamer on Twitter. Um, how are you guys so prolific? Want to be YouTuber myself, but it takes ages to produce content. Any time-saving tips appreciated. So, yeah, how do we, as a set of people that make content, <sighs> make a bunch of content? Discipline and work ethic. It doesn't ethic. take so long. Yeah. Discipline and work ethic, there's your answer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I hate to, I, to do the whole, the, the obvious one, but it is practice. Like, like yeah. a lot of stuff now that I do that would have taken a lot longer a couple of years ago, I can do very quickly now. And it's only because I've done it daily for years and and that's really mm. that's how you you can up your your output right is is by like so many of these questions about how do i get started and how do i do, be successful and how this and that there's no real magic trick it's just do it and 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 you will either sink or swim like you've mm. just got to keep My doing and keep my, on doing it because not only do you get better at it the more you do it but you get faster at it too because yeah. you, you, you get routines, you get structures. Exactly. If you're working in a video or music project, you'll have your templates that you always use. Just There are lots of little things you learn along oh, the yeah, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. It took me yeah. a long, long time and a lot of experimentation and a lot of badly uploaded videos to uh, figure out decent audio balance, which even now I still trip up on sometimes. But um, in mm. general, it's a lot quicker to find the right audio balance on things. It's quicker for me to know what to cut and how to cut it. It's quicker for me to make mm. edits that before would be like, that's way too much work for a, a, a one-off joke that people will miss. But now it's so quick. I'm like, yeah, yeah, pop that in. Like, you know, maybe three mm. people will see it, but it'll be worth it. And it it really didn't take me too much to do. Um, so the more you do it, the more the quicker it gets, and therefore the more ambitious you, you get, and, and you've got more time to do things, and you can start being a little more expansive and a yeah. little more mm -hmm. higher in concept with um, what you're doing, so long as you it's don't... Important, it's important to remember as well that, like, people who... Often with people, particularly in artistic stuff, that appear uh, seem to appear overnight and... and get really successful they've often spent years and years of graft beforehand for sure getting to yeah. that point where they so, where, yeah. where now you're seeing them you know the early gymquisitions like look like shit and also took me a lot longer to do they were harder work simply because i didn't have the skill set that i have now and i'm mm -hmm. not i don't have a great skill set now um but i'm i'm competent i can work my way around uh, editing together a, a decent looking video and then let my uh, natural winning charm do the rest uh, but back in the day that like terrible like the, the, the just the visual quality alone uh, to say nothing of how poorly edited it was and that was a lot longer than it is now like i can make better work quicker than i could back then and it's only because i've done so much uh, and and mm. worked through that period where things took a long long time to get done 
Yeah, I think for me, the the main thing I would say is perseverance, whether you feel like it or not. Um, mm-hmm. there, there was a there was a follow up question that the same person asked that was, uh, do you ever feel like you can't be bothered to do anything work wise? And if so, how of do you course. overcome it? And yeah. I think it ties in with the original question is just get yourself into a routine of I'm going to do X work mm-hmm. on X sort of regular basis and do it regardless of whether you want to or not and make sure you always hit that target. Um, it'll be different yeah. for every person and their schedule, but for me starting out it was, I'm going to write 1,000 words a day, whether I want to or not. And I was doing that around a, a day job, and there were some days where it was 1,000 words that were terrible and were not worth anything, but you do them, and you do them day after day, even if you feel like you're not learning anything, the more you create, the more you'll improve, mm. the more you'll get yourself into a good discipline so that you, I, I think if you get yourself into that good discipline of I'm going to do X amount of work each X amount of time, you get yeah. a better feeling down the line of is this a day where I legitimately do need to give myself some time to avoid burning out? Or is this a day where I should just push through it because, yeah. you know, I, I should do this. This is what I do. it should be done. Yeah, and I, the, yeah. the work doesn't get that, done if it doesn't get done. Yeah. And I, think I, think, that, I think you get that sense better of what days to just let things go and what days to push through by I, persevering when you start. I think that depends on what work you're doing as well because sometimes with... Um, sometimes with creative work there there will just come a point where you're so blocked that, that if you keep going, you're going to... Um, you're just going to make bad work unless you take a break and re and kind of regroup yeah. or whatever. And, then, and I think that's a very tricky line to find, isn't it? Like where, I think like where at what with point do you else, do that? Like with everything else that also comes down to practice that also comes yeah. down to knowing your limitations yeah. and finding yeah. them. Um, the, the, the thing I, that, that I think helps to remember is that uh, experience points and leveling up seem fantastical in video games, but they're a little bit more realistic than you might think. Because mm. the more you, you grind at a thing, the better you get at it. So every video you do, is a it's a, it's a fight in a JRPG if you want to game a fight for yourself. It's, you're going to leave that project more experienced than you were when you started it. And the more you do, the more you grind at it, you will incrementally level up. Uh, at, at least, I mean, there is some natural talent that can never be learned. Like, there are certain yeah. things with video and especially audio that I will never yeah. be able to do. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean I can't get the basics down and produce work that people want to watch and, and make mm. uh, uh, something that people will enjoy. I mean, you know, the, the Gymquisition is, is doing great on Patreon, has this wonderful fan base and everything, but... And now I can afford to, uh, you know, hire Justin to do art assets for me and animations and stuff and make the show look even more impressive and save me more time. But mm-hmm. it took me so long getting there and it took a long time of producing content on my own that, no, wasn't uh, the best looking, the best sounding. The stuff I do right now still isn't the best looking, best sounding, but people still mm-hmm. want to still want to watch it, still want to hear it uh, because... Mm-hmm. I've done it for so long that I can at least turn out something compelling. And and you do and, you do yeah. keep learning new ways to improve, don't you? I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've oh, I would yeah. imagine that I've spent like somewhere between twenty to twenty five thousand hours producing music. Like I've done in my life about six seven hundred songs, and I still finish every single project having learned something new. 
the day I was just messing around in my audio recorder and found the filters. And I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, this is, this is making me sound like way better. Like, this is good. This is, I'm, I'm not hearing the computer right next to my fucking microphone. Like, it's just every now and then as you just mess around more and more with the software you're using, you discover yeah. new little options, you find new little tricks, new little workarounds, and it's often uh, you'll, come up with a, you'll come up against a problem, and solving that problem is a really, really satisfying thing when it comes to audio and, and video work. Um, there's something very satisfying about finally yeah. nailing the the thing that's been holding you back from and, doing a certain thing. And often solving a problem gives you something new you've learned for future uh, exactly yes. things yes. to improve them. What what I would say advice wise as well, I don't know whether you would both agree with this, but I think not always, but sometimes there is value in trying something ambitious in terms of content mm. and having even if it you try and go for something ambitious and it doesn't work it fails it it ultimately doesn't pan out or doesn't succeed i think there's often value in that above i'm doing the thing that i'm comfortable doing to a polished but like not stretching myself degree like sometimes just take the risk to try and do the big thing yeah and if it doesn't work, you at least learn, okay, why didn't it work? What do I do next time? Yeah. Be ambitious. Go for those big ambitious bits of content. Yeah, because yeah. you, you, again, you miss you... every shot that you don't take. Exactly. That is true. And with YouTube being YouTube, it's it's easy to at least take a shot. Like, whether you miss or not, you, you it's, it's, it's low cost to get in. It's low cost to get the practice in. So, yeah. So, yeah, just just, just do the so, thing. Just persevere and make the stuff and keep yeah. making the stuff re regularly. Make things. And I realise, you know, it's, it, those answers that we give are never satisfying to people who are hoping for that, the one trick we found. But the truth is, genuinely, there isn't a trick yeah. to, to do that. Like, there, I, there really I, isn't. I look Not at that back I know at, of. Yeah, like, I look back at myself starting this and I wish that there was a trick I could impart to people other than just... Whether I wanted to write or didn't, I made myself write every day. And eventually I got better at writing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I have those moments constantly, the whole, I don't want to do anything right now. Um, I mean, I didn't want to do a podcast today. I, I've, I've, I've been slowly working out the, ironically, the stress of uh, changing a lot of the gym position, including changing the theme tune to stress. And mm. this week it, it hit me hard. Uh, just how much work Justin and I had put into what the Gymquisition is now. And this this week, it all dawned on me, and I was like, I can't handle this. Going through, I get through these phases where I'm like, I can't handle this job. I don't know how I get away with being able to produce a weekly show um, that has something to say. I can't. It's going to fall apart. I better stop. I need mm. to get out of this gig. But then I just have to sit myself down and say, well, no, you chose this gig. You can't get out of it now uh, without, you know, really fucking yourself over. And you love what you do. You know you do. So yeah. go and do the thing. Yeah. I, I legitimately it's... spent all, like, uh, yesterday, up until about five in the afternoon, I spent my entire day just having very similar thoughts of, like, nope, I'm done. I want to get out of this. No, 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 uh, run away. Because sometimes stuff just gets overwhelming. Mm. And... I felt like that for like nine till five on a day. And then I sat down and recorded seven and a half hours of content, which I'm really pleased with. Yeah. And yeah. just it, 
it's it's a weird balancing and so, act. Sometimes you do need to step away for a little bit, you know, if it sure. is all getting yeah. too much. And writing, even some such little simple things like writing lists of everything you have to do. Because when you're mulling over everything in your brain, it's such a huge stress. But as soon as it's all out there and you can see it, it becomes so much less, it occupies so much less space in your head then, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't need to remember it. And the piece of paper in front of you can remember it for you. And in- inspiration and like um, motivation can come from the weirdest places. Like I've mentioned before on here, how one of the 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 most popular and best songs I've ever made was made purely out of annoyance and spite after I got dropped from the game. <laughs> To say, well, fuck you, now look what I'm going to do to make you regret that. <laughs> yeah, like this this week, I one of the bits of written content I did this week was about video games that my cat should play. And that was because I took a break from work and I sat with my cat while playing Magic Up Jump and was like, this is a touchscreen game that involves fish and there's my cat. There's going to be something here. Yeah, and don't aim for anything in particular. That's another thing as well. Don't say I'm yeah. going to be on this level i'm i'm gonna make this show and it's gonna be my marquee show because you never know like mm. the the finest example in my own work i can think of is the you know the day i put a trash bag over myself and a bunch of cornflakes <laughs> wrapped around my head in saran wrap uh, and that was a one-off joke and it became so popular that we now have a a, a fully made head of cornflakes so that the cornflake homunculus can be uh brought out a lot more easily and we have a ton of b-roll that i've, I've still got to use um so we've got a ton of that stuff because it, it became such a breakout character um same with uh amiel amiel duadkor the uh the elite gaming wisdom host uh was again just something for the end credits mm. but has blown up so much that we are working on something interesting involving the the right honorable duke mm. You've, so you've yeah, gotta... you, you never know what will be big. Just keep doing mm. it and, and maybe something will stick. You've, you've got to have a balance between ambition and setting targets for yourself that are too rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Ambition is a great thing. It can drive you to do the the best work you do often comes out of trying to hit goals that seem just out of reach and maybe you can reach up and get them. But I like I know for myself, for the longest time, I was telling myself, like, I want to get published on this site and I want to get it done by this point and yeah. setting very rigid goals for myself that then when they didn't happen, I felt like I wasn't achieving enough, even though it's like, well, I didn't achieve that thing I was aiming for. But along the yeah. way, I achieved all of these other things that are amazing and uh, are in many ways probably better than what I was aiming for. And it's a trap. But no, I rigidly sit myself on that thing. Uh. Yeah. You can still fall into the trap. I've done it myself. I've, I've had an idea for something where I think, you know, this episode of the Doomquisition is going to be massive or this video I've done is going to explode and it doesn't and it mm. doesn't go anywhere. And then it's something that I just didn't imagine. Ha- like the most successful Doomquisitions I tend to have, barring the, you know, the really famous ones about certain personal topics uh, barring the ones that were expected to always have done well the most successful gym acquisitions i've ever had have always been surprises they've always been the ones that um it's often a news story that's just happened suddenly so it's not like i was even preparing it it just hit me and i quickly responded to its stream of thought for a script 
did it, threw it out there, and that was, you know, people really, really liked that one, the one that I was expecting. Well, you know, this was so off the cuff that I don't think this will go anywhere, but no, love that one. Whereas the ones where I'm like, this is going to be my pièce de résistance, and it's not. It's, it's just business as usual. Like, you, you just can't predict what will uh, what will hit and what will miss. Like, I thought a lot more people would be angry about the new theme tune, and people would love the Transformers segue that um, we'd done, where we'd made Jim position style That Transformers segue is fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> but, you see, so did I. So did I. I thought it would be fantastically popular, but least popular thing of the uh, or what? at least the most vocally challenged part of it really? to the point where i've i'm not gonna use it per episode anymore why don't I'm, people I'm, like it I, they find it too jarring and too professional funnily enough like it's a bit too wow. clean and i get that it doesn't quite fit with the new circus i thing, really so like I, I kind of get it <laughs> but I, we're definitely not getting rid of it because i love those designs um mm. and and everything and i love that the, the we made them little tragedy and comedy masks as well, but that was very subtle. And um, yeah, so you just don't know what people will respond to and what they will, you know, respond to negatively. It's impossible to tell. A lot of the things I thought, I mean, I, I've always said that my show is the, the the biggest failure I've ever had, the most successful failure I've ever had, because everything I tried to do initially with the Jimquisition failed. Uh, when I tried to make people love it, they hated it. And then when I tried to make people hate it, they loved it. And then, then I found that the... The way that that show should operate, uh, so it's it's pure stumbling and accidents and and none of which you'll ever find until you start doing. There you go. I'm going to remember all of this for packs. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm. We need. I'm we need to record this to motivate ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, if they accept my panel in Pax Seattle, it's something along these lines. It's about how to, how to. Um, achieve maintain and be quite happy with d-list game pundit status uh, <laughs> and a lot of this fits Here, so. here's one final closing comment on all of that right mm-hmm. when when you want to do something creative as a job sometimes you're just going to have to treat it just as that a job and that that does mean there's going to be days where you're not going to want to do it but if yeah. you're working yeah. in any yeah. other job, job you just can't decide no i'm not working today and it's getting into that mentality of this is my job. I need to put all my my discipline into this, you know. Yeah, I mean that's definitely one of the reasons why we can be prolific is this is quite literally our jobs. Mm. So even if a project takes us a long time, we're on the clock. Uh, if you are working another job, then yes, it's gonna be tougher. But if you really, really want to do it, you still won't yeah. get any quicker un- unless you do it a lot. That you, again, you there's do no the trick. Late, mm. You do the late nights and the early mornings where you have to, and you get it done so that you improve. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm certainly not the only one here who uh, had to juggle several things at once to to get where they were. Um, yeah, you know, I was doing nights in uh, a shitty cab rank in southeast London, and I was doing days for Destructoid. Even when I was in the industry, uh, in order to uh, get, you know, in order to, to get the mortgage paid, support a family, uh, and still have budget for keeping things ticking along on the show, mm. uh, at one point, even when it was my full-time job working as a reviews editor, I was holding down five different jobs within games media, uh, I had five very distinct uh, contracted projects. So you've got to get through a period where, it, yeah, there is a lot of time being spent doing things mm. and a lot of juggling that needs to be done. But there, there, 
there is a potential reward there. Or not. That's the bit that sucks. Or not. That, that, or that not. That might I mean, never happen. You don't that's... know. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't know. And yeah. you certainly... It's, it's certainly a no if you haven't started. Every day you haven't started is a failure. If, if, if you have a goal that you want to achieve. Just to wrap up, I think. I think so. Yeah, we we, yeah. we said questions, we, we but that one on that was very meaty. Quite a lot, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, we did. But I think it was. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that was very useful for people because you know we. I'm sure we all get asked these have similar questions to these mm. a lot, uh, and I have been uh, meaning to codify it and and have something to show people. Uh, so this is useful for me as well because as I said, I'm going to do that uh, panel slash gymquisition. Uh, at PAX if I get accepted and then hopefully have something I can link to people to be like here are the answers and you probably won't like them because none of them are special tricks (laughs) (laughs) so yeah yeah that's podquisition for this week um I thought despite having very little to work with, we got in some nice spirited debate, we got in some nice chat, we got in some nice advice. I think that this was a nice podcast, a nice pre-E3 podcast. Good old episode. We we, we did better than I expected with it being pre-E3. That's it. Next week we're going to have too much to talk about, so we best get prepared for that. In preparation, Laura, how can people find more of your work? Me, Laura K. Buzz, pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, that's what pays the bills. Other than that, let's play video games.com. Uh trying to think if I'm anywhere else at the at the moment. Um probably in a few days I will have a review of arms up somewhere soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's you know, just keep an eye on Laura K. Buzz everywhere. Okay, okay, and Gavin, the man who does the music. Miracle of Sound on YouTube, Miracle of Sound on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, all those good things. And keep an eye out because uh, for the next song, which should be hopefully out next week, I'm teaming up with the wonderful Carly Ann to create something wondrous. Oh, something wondrous. I'm teaming up with an awesome woman to make something wondrous. There we go. Hints and clues. And may I say, like, like... All of the, whenever you've done collaborations like that, they've always turned into very, very excellent songs. Mm. So, so yeah, looking forward to seeing that. Ladies, ladies can hit notes that I just can't hit, Jim. Well, yeah, yeah. there is that. Um, and, and may I say, always makes a nice contrast with the voices, I find. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's Podquisition for you. Thank you so much for your support, as always, be it financially uh, or just listening. Uh, it's all good. Uh, thank you so much. Be on the lookout for changes coming to the Gymquisition. Uh, we should be moving servers, fingers crossed, this week, so things shouldn't go down when big reviews hit anymore. And then straight after that, we're working on the site redesign so it stops looking like a fucking WordPress blog, which would be nice, won't it? Uh, <laughs> until then, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.